concentrate, concentrate, concentrate on what I'm saying. People are dying. Children are crying. Concentrate, concentrate, close your eyes. The wind is blowing. You look left. You look right. You're on top of the highest mountain. You look up. You look down. You pick up your phone and tell everyone you love about this amazing podcast called Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. Well, hi there. I'm your hostess with the most ghosts, Melanie, and with me is the ever phenomenal Danielle. Greetings, my friend. Hola. <laughs> that was cool. I like that. Did it take you back a little bit? I completely forgot about Concentrate. It made me feel all tingly. I think that someone I had a crush on might have been touching me while we played that game. <laughs> it's the one where you have to close your eyes and they put their finger on your back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to try to write them a message. Oh, no, this this is a... Uh, I'll, I'll go into what this is okay. once we I'm go into what the topic is. Just vague recollections of being mildly aroused, so... There was a lot of touching. <laughs> it's a lot of touching. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep that one in my pocket for now. Yeah. So hi and welcome to another episode of Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. Like I just said. Anywho, uh, we got a really good episode. Um, we'll get into the topic in just a bit, but before we do, do we want to do any dun dun update? You still have until the 16th of November to leave your reviews to be in with a chance of winning a super special secret surprise prize. Hey there, Danielle here, interrupting the podcast to make a correction before we've even put it out. So, I realised having listened back to this segment of the podcast that I'm out by a whole week in terms of giving people a chance to do what I'm about to ask them to do. So, we've extended the competition by one week. So, now... You have until the 23rd to get your reviews in and listen to the instructions that are about to follow. Thank you, bye! I have recently come across some information that has disturbed me. And that information is that apparently there is a big flaw in the Apple Podcast Diamond, which is both mind-bogglingly stupid and significantly frustrating. And that is you can only see regionally specific reviews. As in, I can only see reviews that are left by people from within the UK, and Melanie can only see reviews that are left for us from within the North American territories. So... If you're in South America, any other part of Europe, Australia, Asia, Antarctica, we ain't going to be able to read your review. So a little caveat to the competition is that please do leave a review anyway, but take a little screenshot for us and send it to our social medias anywhere. Um, we'll list them at the end of the um, episode but it's literally just zombie fishbowl everywhere. So we're not yeah. hard to find. But yeah, we need that screenshot so that we know that you've left the review. I don't even get notified that a review has been left. Like my count is different to Melanie's count. Mm -hmm. And there have been some really funny, really great reviews left for us in the American Apple podcasts, but only star reviews in the... UK one so I've not had any fun things to read 
But three people have taken time out of their day to give us a star rating, which is nice. Thank you very much. But yeah, how frustrating is that? So weird. Why does it work like that? You'd think we'd want to know. I would want to know if, like, Japan is leaving me really terrible reviews. Like, do you know nothing about yokai? You insensitive fuck. But, yeah. I don't know. So we would literally have no idea. And I don't know how big podcasts, um, like, big, famous, massive ones deal with that. Because um, they must want to know what people are thinking about them in different countries. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Um. So, hey, if anyone knows that there's a solution to this problem, please, please let us know. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to need screenshots and I guess, you know, we'll correlate best we can. Melanie's going to put together screenshots of all of the reviews from the US yeah. for me to formulate my list. So I'll get to see them then. But 100%, if you're not in the US or uk we haven't seen your review and we can't see it so we can't put you in the competition so if you have which i'm hoping that somebody has just uh pop back on take a screenshot and send it to us and then we'll know and we'll love you forever forever hello again so to reiterate you have until the 23rd of november to submit your reviews thank you guys bye so that's my update do you have an update i really don't i'm terrible i I live a very, uh, we both live pretty hectic lives. So uh, by the time I get home, I'm like, oh, no, the update things. Shit, I got nothing. Yeah. I try to relate it directly to the podcast. Um, <laughs> but we don't really get much um, back and forth at the moment. We're not really getting much in the way of uh, interactions. So yeah. there's no one calling us out on any bullshit, which either means we're doing really well. Or I don't want to contemplate the alternative, <laughs> which is that nobody's listening. We're speaking into a void. <laughs> and it echoes back. Oh. So those are our updates. <laughs> that is our update. <laughs> I've been reading too much philosophy. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> bring up the void clearly you've been into some psychology and i keep just going i just can't even no one one really gets that unless they read philosophy but that's actually a really funny philosophy joke because you (laughs) replace the c with a k i just can't even uh can't is a philosophy yeah that's awesome Every philosophy student ever has heard that joke about 50 times. Kind of like how being an archaeology student, we've probably heard, like, uh, can you dig it, like, a thousand times and things Ooh, like that. Yeah. So, yeah. My, my my career is in ruins. Heard that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that one. I'm sorry. I really like that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pardon my trench is another one. Oh. oh I, I came up with one. one. Actually, I came up. I came up with one, and then I was present at the birth of another. And the one that I came up with, ritual practice makes perfect. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. I came up oh, with that one. And then another one I was at the birth of was um, my uh, Malkin Tower Farm dig, 2017. And one of my colleagues said. Paint me like one of your trench girls. Ooh, yeah. It's pretty darn good. Yeah. Oh, I love you guys. 
<laughs> archaeologists are my favorite people. <laughs> yeah, coming up with puns on archaeology and random band names inspired by our work. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> that aside. Um, so before we jump into our super fun topic, uh, shall we go in with the purge or the Libingian purge? The the thing? Yeah, the thing, the thing. See, I thought the thing, but the thing is an actual thing that uh, Vikings used to do, which is that they would all meet up in a place uh, to talk about whatever, you know, like it would be like a parlay between all of the different tribes and stuff and they would all get together and it was called a thing. Yeah. Um. So we can't call it a thing because they're not really. It's not really a meeting. <laughs> I just love that you even have that as as a a thing about the thing. Yeah. Just, sorry. Yeah. You're so beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's true. Um. I've got it in my head. Although I am really confused because I was on Tumblr yesterday and oh god, I know, I know. Sorry, people. I stay on Tumblr. Some good memes on there. And you can save directly from the homepage. You don't have to click three times before you can save it. That is the that is the you know the superiority of Tumblr dash on phone. Anyway, um, <laughs> and they posted a Viking helmet that had horns, and I was really confused because uh, we get told rather passionately that Viking helmets didn't have horns, but this helmet clearly had horns and so I was really confused and it's really making me think about everything about existence or whether or not I've what I've been told is the truth everything that I thought I knew was a lie or was it (laughs) or was it or is this not Viking at all how did I get up on this tangent oh yeah because I because of the thing oh god that that was just stupid anyway no I've written down some alternative names as well um thinking that we might have this conversation um and I've got like things like the the decontamination or the cleansing (laughs) or (laughs) or the flush the flush (laughs) but essentially still not quite encapsulating quite what it is i'm trying to do decontamination kind of does cleansing has negative connotations and yeah and it makes me think of a colonoscopy or something or it makes me think of uh you know i don't Uh, even want to bring it up but like really bad war crimes and the flush yeah 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 yeah, exactly (laughs) and the flush just makes me think of the toilet which is fine but i don't think everybody wants to think about toilets every day no. I mean, whenever they listen to us. Yeah, no. Um, I'm not big on, on the, the poo relation. Yeah, the poo, the poo thing. Yeah. The poo thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we'll come up with something, goddammit. Uh, for for right now, uh, do you want to... I, I, I'm going with the thing for right now. Okay. Let's do the thing. Let's do the thing. <laughs> do you have anything to do for the thing? Yeah, so I guess I'll start. So, getting ready for Christmas in the mall has officially begun. On Friday, I, I work in a very, very small shop. My shop is quite tiny. I love it, though. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got 21 giant boxes full of over 4,000 sculptures. <laughs> it was crazy insane. That And it was crazy insane work that did not get finished. I stayed an hour overtime to try and get as much done as possible. I only helped put the tiniest dent in it. It was infuriating, exhausting, and painful. But 
we have thousands of new sculptures that I get to play with when I go into work after this. <laughs> and I'm really excited. Um, to me, it's all worth it because I, I, I fucking love this stuff. And I get to I get to merchandise it. I get to backstock it. I get to log it all in. And as infuriating and, and mad, crazy inducing as this task is, it brings me so much joy. So I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. All these sculptures are fairies and dragons and gargoyles and skulls. I'm so excited. <laughs> Do you get to make like magical little lands for them to to be in by way of well, shelving and Yeah, I mean they're all in like glass cases and I have to to merchandise them, but I merchandise the shit out of them and they're going to look beautiful and I have to somehow cram like 80 boxes into like a little tiny tiny cupboard that's like maybe three feet by three you know three square feet of like space and I can just jangle the shit out of it oh I love that I'm so excited is it even possible to then actually be appealing to customers if it's so busy to look at well the the backstock nobody sees um so that's that's not a that's not a problem um okay. but yeah, it, it, there's an art to getting a bunch of items into a small space and making it look appealing and not only appealing, but like, oh, wow, I'm seeing all of these beautiful things. And, and you know, it's it's an art form that I'm really good at. I'm proud of it. And I can't wait to do it today. I'm very excited. Okay. You're going to have a fun Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll probably be crying by the end of the day because as soon as I start a project, that's when customers come in and you yeah. can't talk it off. But It'll, it'll still be good. I'm excited. You'll still have to deal with the general public. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> All right. So how about you? Um, Only thing I can think of is that I got my flu shot yesterday. I got a flu jab. And uh, that's very good and positive. It means that I potentially am immune to the new strand of flu that will, has been going around yeah. for another year or so. So obviously very good. But oh, oh. my arm is really sore. <laughs> I was discussing this earlier with my other half that we think that there's like something about the way they give you injections now that makes it so that it doesn't hurt at the time, but it just hurts 24 hours later. If, if they give you a muscle shot, then that's how that works, usually. Well, is a flu shot a muscle shot? shot? I guess it is. I think so. I, I really Yeah, don't well, they don't have to find a blood vessel. They literally yeah, they just, just stick it in your arm. It. Yeah. So, like, it just kind of goes, ah, when you're there. <laughs> but, like, totally tolerable. But I was completely fine for the rest of the day. But that's, that's the weird thing. Usually the soreness, you would imagine, would be within a few hours. Totally didn't even notice anything. Woke up this morning and lay on my left side like I usually do. And I was like, ow, <laughs> my arm. And it's oh. been really weak all day. And every time I move it, I kind of like, I feel like I've got a massive bru- And that's the thing as well. There's no bruise. Yeah, it's in the so muscle. It's just, yeah. And so it's so unsatisfying to like lift up my shirt with so much soreness. And there not be a massive, great, big visual cue yeah my pain like i was <laughs> going to like paint my arm just so it... <laughs> put some makeup on it if you bruised or touch it you'll know where not to touch because it's all purple exactly it just, it's just sore but that's it but i'm sh- but it was free because 
the NHS and I should be immune. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Melanie. Um, and I should be immune for a year. So hopefully I don't uh, catch whatever strand it is that they've managed to make a vaccine for. Yeah. They can't obviously vaccinate against strands of flu that have not yet been discovered. So In the future. Yeah, super bugs. Yeah. Because they literally just evolve so quickly that probably within a few months of my having this shot, actually probably before I even got the shot, the shot was probably out of date. To be <laughs> with you. But the old version of the flu would still be floating around. So. Yeah. <sighs> oh shit, I accidentally breathed on my own. Bitch. I can do another one. I'm a female, I can do multiple. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> we always say the second one's better anyway. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> you've already kind of like gone through it, so now your body's really embracing each moment. All right. Yep. So, on the count of three, one, two, three. <sighs> I just think you appreciate it more. <laughs> Because it wasn't so impulsive. This was a, a conscious act. Bonus breath. <laughs> Whoop! Wasn't expecting that. That's nice. <laughs> wasn't expecting the first one. Second one. Very much a good bonus. Anyway, sorry. Let's let's Very stop. Nice. You end doing. You end. All right. So Danielle, what is our topic this week? So this week's topic is childhood superstitions or childhood superstitious games, inspired by a listener request for us to talk about Bloody Mary. Mm. Uh, So this was Mikey, Melanie's sister. So instead of dedicating the whole episode just to Bloody Mary, I widened the topic by making it like childhood superstition. So anything that we played as children uh with superstitious connotations which i'm going to define momentarily mm-hmm. the merriam webster de- definition of superstition is a belief or practice resulting from ignorance fear of the unknown trust in magic or chance or a false conception of causation or it can be an irrational abject attitude of mind towards the supernatural nature or god resulting from superstition or a notion maintained despite evidence to the contrary it's quite harsh i think yeah the cambridge dictionary definition is belief that is not based on human reason or scientific knowledge but is connected with old ideas about magic etc so i like that one Yeah, but I still feel like these definitions miss out on the nuances of superstitious practice. There isn't, it's not that it's an absence of evidence on the side of the superstitious, it's just more attributing evidence to the side of magic, faith, and feelings rather than functional, mundane logic. Now, obviously, I agree with the definition. It just lacks a little bit of something. I can't quite put my finger on it, but defining it doesn't really give you the whole picture, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and superstition is so, um, it's so linked to just tradition in general. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it kind of misses out a whole sort of, like I said, the sort of nuances of superstitious practice. It's a very sort of surface level definition. I think if somebody was trying to learn English and wanted to understand what superstition was, that definition wouldn't quite give it them, it would get lost. The actual sort of, the actual feeling of, of superstition would get lost in the definition. It just makes you sound like you're being um, um, illogical and... Um, yeah you know stupid even it's almost insulting yeah like a logical person can be superstitious i absolutely believe that but because i am so you know when when writing all of the things that i was writing about last night i had to consciously be playing something loud and different inside my skull because i was afraid of anything hearing the words that i was writing like so like I was so nervous about what I was writing. I was really spooking myself out at like two in the morning. Oh my god. It was so good. Well, you know what they say, Melanie. If you speak it, you manifest it. I, that's why I was I wasn't speaking it and I was very specifically saying other things in my head <laughs> so that I wasn't even thinking it too loud. Listening to the soundtrack of Pee Wee's Big Adventure instead of <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much. Actually, I was watching, I had a really dumb TV in my headphones so that, like, it was just distracting enough. Oh, good, good. Yeah, you don't want to be manifesting nothing. Oh, yeah, there's one one game I'm going to tell you about that really kind of fucked me up at about oh, exciting. 12, 15 in, at night last night. It was good. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, so bringing it back to what we're actually doing. So this episode is about uh, childhood superstitions. So it's a very specific set of superstitious practices um, in which children tend to make games out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Melanie's going to kind of go into the, the game aspect of it, whereas mine later on is just going to kind of go into the sort of reasons why um, having this kind of imaginative um, era in our life as children is actually very important to our development. Uh, but the big games that I kind of think of when someone says childhood superstitious games, uh, there's three that come to my mind, which is Bloody Mary, mm-hmm. White as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, mm-hmm. and Jinx. Jinx. So, Jinx, you know when you say the same thing at the same time as someone else? Oh, shit. I didn't even. Yes. Yes. Uh, those were the three that I always sort of like, those are the three that I remember. I'm sure you're going to remind me of other ones. I have a terrible mm-hmm. memory. Sorry if you um, can see me like licking myself. I've just accidentally scratched myself and broke the skin. Oh no! So. <laughs> <laughs> Whoop the lady. But yeah, what uh, are you Jinx, doing, Rita? I heard I read a, a variation of it where it was like if someone says jinx, you uh, you have to count to ten really mm-hmm. quickly. Well, I never played it like that. It was literally just the first person to say jinx was the winner. Yeah, well, there was Jinx, buy me a Coke, and then my um, my uncle told me that the only way to counter a Jinx or to challenge a Jinx, because, yeah, if you said Jinx first, you won. Yeah. But if you said it at the same time, or if you want to challenge it, uh, you go... You punch them in the face. Yeah, right? You kick them in the balls and run. Um, no, you had to say a very specific rhyme. Hold on, what was it? Inky, binky, bottle of inky, wash it down the kitchen sinky. Aliyup, aliyup, go, binky, the king of France, wet his pants, right in the middle of a volume dance. You're lay hoo, you're lay hoo, na 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 And if you did that before the other person, then you won the jinx. 
and you wow. wouldn't have to buy the other person a Coke. I'm sure that you probably did that many times. I really did. Because I definitely remember our group being jinxers as teenagers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think, did it just kind of involve a punch on the shoulder? Yeah, it could have been a punch on the shoulder. It was like, if you got jinxed, um, then you could punch the other person in the shoulder. Or if you didn't want to go to be punch quiet, people, I think. The, was it? God, there was so much to it. I really regret now that I didn't think about it and do some research on it. Sorry. I vaguely remember the winner of it could hit the, the loser on the shoulder or and or the other person couldn't speak until they were told they could speak again. Yeah, unless the jinxer was just like, all right, you can speak. Yes. Jinx, jinx lifted. Something like that. So bringing it back around, I suppose, since <laughs> we, that that will be our discussion on jinx. If, if anybody knows the origins of jinx, let us know. But. I'm sure that you have covered the other two I mentioned. Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, and Bloody Mary. Yeah, definitely Bloody Mary. I didn't do much on Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board because I got kind of stuck in this this really fun wormhole of spooky-ass games. Okay. Spooky-ass children's games. So, uh, yeah. Should I just dive in? Yeah, some please. Of the ones I got? So... First and foremost, let me throw us back to the the uh, game that I opened up with, which is a game called Concentrate. Um, I couldn't find anything as far as the origin of it, or even when it was first recorded being played. I just remember playing it as a kid. Um, I highly doubt that it was invented in the 90s, but it's possible. But I'm sure there are, there are older games that run around the same same concept. So the premise is this. This is a game that through reciting a long spooky rhyme and ritual, at the end you will see a color which will tell you how you will die. There is played with two people at a time, the one reciting or in essence performing the ritual and the one having it done to them. I can't read the whole thing here because it is really long. It's like Hmm. 10 verses long. Um, I think the ones that we played were probably shortened quite a bit, but even then they were still pretty long. But it starts with that concentrate, concentrate. And it's and when you're saying it, you're hitting them on the back. So concentrate, concentrate, mm. concentrate on what I'm saying. People are dying. Children are crying. Concentrate, concentrate. And you're hitting the person, uh, the person reciting it is hitting them on the back. Um, this line is repeated like five times in between spooky or visually sensational verses such as spiders crawling up your back, jump, bite, jump, bite, blood running down, blood running down. And the person performing it will run their fingers up the back like spiders, pinch the shoulders as if they've been bitten, and then run their hands down the back as if blood is falling. I remember that. You know, crack an egg on your head, feel the blood down. Um, Stab you in the back, feel the blood run down. There was even a verse about uh, tying a noose around your neck, wrapping a rope around your neck and pulling it to make you feel hung. Dark shit. Um, And then the end verses are running you through this sort of, what's it called? Um, Like a guided meditation almost. You know, they grab you by the shoulders and sway you as they say, the wind is blowing. You look left and they shift your body to the left. You look right and they shift your body to the right. You're on top of the highest mountain. You look up and they throw your head up. You look down and they throw your head down. And then they and then it usually ends with something like, and you fall to your death. And then they push you and you're so in that guided meditation that for a split second, it does feel as if you're going to 
make that plunge. And in that split second, it's almost like you're facing your actual potential death and a color will flash before your eyes. If you see the color red, that means you will die by stabbing. If you see the blue, drowning. Yellow, poison. Orange, fire. Green, falling from a high place and landing in the earth, uh, on, on the grass. Purple, asphyxiation. Gray, illness. Seeing uh, brown means you'll be buried alive. Seeing white means you'll die of old age and go to heaven. But if you see black, you will die of old age and go to hell. Well, I mean. Dun, 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 dun. So nobody knows when this game started definitively, but it doesn't seem far-fetched to think that it's maybe been around for a while. It reads so much like a Victorian-era spook game, and a lot of these games do. They They feel like they have at least... 200 years worth or 100 years worth of just um uh influence like from from older victorian type games it reads so much like a victorian era spook game that kids would play to divine their deaths i can only assume that a child came up with this but if that's true it's actually quite impressive because it shows an alarming understanding of how the human brain works because it pretty much puts the kids in a hypnotized state or a very suggestible one. The beating of the fists against the back is very soothing and feels like a massage. And at the same time, it is to a beat, which is um, mesmerizing. So even when the spiders are crawling up and biting, it doesn't feel awful. It just connects yourself to the concept of being able to feel what you're imagining. So when you fall to the death at the end, you find that you've lost your breath as you've inhaled in fear. And for a split second, a nanosecond, you saw how you would die. And all that was left was a recollection of the color surrounding you in your last minutes. It's neat in theory, and I'll definitely be introducing it to my children. <laughs> Especially because this is really the one I wanted to discuss. That uh, This is the only one I'll discuss that doesn't involve summoning spirits or demons. Mm. So that's all I have on that one. But it's it's a fun one. It goes back uh, to my childhood. I, yeah, I just I very vividly remember playing it. Yes. It's, it's yeah. You've brought back very nice memories for me in terms of like, <laughs> like 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 I'm getting sensory like I said before like a sensory memory mm-hmm. from doing it. Um, I think I just remember that it was funny. Like you would have that and that would feel really nice. Yeah. And you'd be mesmerized and then you'd get pushed and you'd do that whole thing and then everybody was just laughing and then it was back to being joyful children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I was playing it at like eight, seven or eight. Um, I'm thinking I was a little bit older, um, but I don't, because I don't remember playing it here in the UK. So I was 10 when I moved to the States. I definitely think I was a bit older when I got introduced, possibly our friend group when we were 14. It's possible. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that it would be around 14, 13, 14, which is very important age to be having sensory experiences actually every age is an important age to have sensory experiences but yeah it's uh i think i was a bit older than 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 you in that respect but other games i think i did play much younger yeah should i do a bloody mary like such as yes all right so bloody mary as far as research goes is huge and unreliable (laughs) Um, as far as research into the origin of Bloody Mary, I guess, yeah, there's there's so much. I'll just start with what invoking her actually means. When I go into this explanation, understand that every single version is different. 
every single one. As is the way uh, with children. We didn't really have a, you know, a forum which we could go to to check the details. Yeah. So it becomes regionally specific. That would have been so handy. Yes. It would have been so regionally specific that every group would have had their own re- own version of it. Mm-hmm. Within, even within the same school. So every single telling was different. I had in my browser at least 30 open pages, each telling me a different thing. Wow. Yeah. It it was it was crazy. So here's what I got for you. Okay. We'll start with what invoking her actually means. It changes from telling to telling. Sometimes it can only be one child who summons Bloody Mary. Sometimes you can get away with more. The child or children will go into a bathroom with a large mirror and the lights off. You either light one candle in front of the mirror or two candles on either side of the mirror, or you go in and experience complete darkness. Then you chant the name Bloody Mary three, five, thirteen, or more times until something happens. Older tellings say that you can call her Hell Mary or Mary Worth. There was also like ten other names they could call her, but the Bloody Mary, Hell Mary, or Mary Worth were the top three most used. Yes. This is how you summon her. Some tales say that a beautiful woman covered in blood will appear to tell you how you will die, or she'll claw off your face, or tear your eyes out, or scream at you, kill you, or take you as a sacrifice. So who is Bloody Mary? Well, she is one of the following, or none of them, or one of the 50 other versions believed that I just didn't have time to mention. Most common are, one, She was a beautiful teenage girl who was raped and murdered in her home while her parents were away. She just wants revenge against the living. Two, she was a mother whose children were killed, so she tore out her own eyes as she wailed for the loss of her children. And she just wants to keep you and to take take you to replace the children she lost. That's the one I was told when I was a kid. Okay. That's the one I believed. Three, that she was a beautiful young girl who was mangled in a horrible car accident. So she strikes out angrily at having to be seen and summoned in a mirror. Four, she is Mary Worth, a convicted witch of the Salem witch trials, out for revenge. Or, possibly, Mary Worth was a witch who lived in Chicago during the Civil War, who is said to have kidnapped runaway slaves and kept them chained in her barn, doing God knows what to them in dark rituals. Five, that she was an evil witch who needs the blood of young girls to keep her young i.e. Elizabeth Bathory. Six, the last one that I have on my list, that she is the spirit of the evil Bloody Mary, Queen of England. Yes, that's the one I know. So, as I'm sure Danielle already knows, Bloody Mary was an actual queen. Queen Mary, the first of England. She was given the name Bloody Mary after she took the throne in 1553, turned England's religion back to Catholicism, and signed an act that resulted in the Marian persecutions in which about 240 men and 60 women were sentenced as Protestants and burned at the stake. That's the nutshell version. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I'm accurate. Yeah. I mean, that's true. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) I mean, as far as I know, our friends at Monarchs and Malarkey might know. And they'll probably know a lot more than I do. Shout um, out. <laughs> we love you. Yeah. She doesn't make a lot of sense as the Bloody Mary re- mirror ghost. Um, How dare you? 
I'm sorry, except for the fact that she has a very severe nickname. There's really not much there. She was never covered in blood. Although there is some thought that she was unable to um, bear children and uh, had, what is it called? Um, Not a psychic pregnancy, but when you want to be pregnant so bad that your body. Something like that, but her, 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 belly swole and for yeah. nine months she had all the symptoms and signs of being pregnant and then uh nothing happened and her stomach started to shrink after nine months um and then it happened again where she was convinced she was pregnant but after the first fake out everyone's just like yeah no you're full of crap and and they wouldn't believe her and she ended up uh dying and they think it was possible because of um, like ovarian cysts and things that they just couldn't diagnose um, so that's part of some of why she's kind of also linked to being Bloody Mary, her inability to conceive children and Bloody Mary in a lot of tellings being, um, obsessed with needing children. Yeah. Yeah. It, it changes all the time. But so how, how was Bloody Mary introduced to you? Okay. So it definitely was a game that was spoken about on the playground. Mm-hmm. So whoever would have initiated the conversation or whatever, you'd all be talking about it and then you would kind of dare each other to go home and do it alone. Mm -hmm. And then everyone would sort of come back and regale each other with their tales of Bloody Mary. And I definitely remember Bloody Mary being the queen, Queen Mary, Mm -hmm. Bloody Mary, and that she was like a nasty woman that uh, executed her foes. And that if you summoned her, um, she would try to chop off your head. Yeah. Nice. She was obsessed with, uh, you know, decapitating people, I guess. I don't know. I think that it was a convoluted uh, sort of, a conv- you know, like just like a, a mashup of loads of different stories. Like the monarchy used to cut each other's heads off all the time. She's yeah. got a nasty nickname, you know, Bloody Mary. She must be obsessed with cutting people's heads off. Mary, yeah. sorry, the the queen in Alice in Wonderland constantly goes off with their head. Yeah. So you know you've got the evil queen trope ripe for the picking. Yeah. So yeah, I think I definitely remember being around people talking about it on the playground. You go do it. You go do it. You do it tonight. Oh no no. And then either doing it or saying that you did it and then yeah, coming up with an absolutely fantastical story about how Mary came out of the mirror and strangled me and look at this bruise. And I don't remember how much I probably uh, played into it, but knowing myself, I probably came up with some completely mental story <laughs> to continue this legend on. Uh, yeah. But yeah, definitely young, definitely a way to impress your friends. But then later on, still when we were teenagers, I think we've all played it together, our little group. Yeah, if not Bloody Mary, then th- something very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you stare we just had so many seances. Sorry? We just had so many seances in general. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we loved conjuring demons, but um, <laughs> not really demons. Just wanted to talk to the spirit world. Yeah. Well, I definitely remember being in a bathroom with with you and other unnamed people for now mm-hmm. um with our um lighters as like the light oh yeah man we and... were dumb 
and like <laughs> chanting things into the mirror until we all start hallucinating and then a certain someone starting to be like guys i don't want to do this anymore can you freaked out guys we've got to go <laughs> that I was a really good bad idea of who you're talking about right there <laughs> <laughs> but um psychologically speaking we all know that if you stare into a mirror for long enough you will start hallucinating we know that now but you know when you're 13 and you've got like five of your friends and probably not sober in the sense that you know mind-altering substances have probably been shared staring into a mirror for like five minutes and going bloody mary bloody mary bloody mary blood eventually someone's face is going to form into a devil's face yeah yeah someone's gonna about... get fucked up yeah yeah because there's a thing that there's there's one where she'll appear in the mirror as well as you and try yeah. to grab the mirror version of you and then there's another one where your face will turn into hers mm-hmm <sighs> That's the one I remember because I did it myself when I was about seven years old. I did it and I woke up in the middle of the night. I woke up at like two in the morning because I've, I've always had insomnia. And I was just like, hey, I'm actually kind of awake. Let's do this Bloody Mary thing that I've been hearing about. So I went into the bathroom. I had to go downstairs to go to the bathroom to do it. And yeah, it was like two in the morning and I did it. I said Bloody Mary three times. And I just sat there staring at my face in the mirror. And then my face just went wrong. Mm-hmm. My eyes just started, like, looked like they were melting. My mouth was twisting. It was The whole thing was just terrifying. At seven years old, that was fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, but, the, yeah, there, like I said, there's science to that. Yeah. There's, there's, we understand there's, the processes behind that now. Yeah. Um, I think they call it, I wrote it down somewhere. It has to do with the dim lighting and the fact that you're looking at your own face for a prolonged period of time. It's not natural. Yeah. What it is, is, so and it can actually be shown to a degree that the human brain's ability to visually make something out of nothing. When you're in a dark room staring into a mirror with very little and or shifting light, like the flickering candle flames, you really do see shit. You can watch your face deform right in front of you, or your eyes take the image of yourself and place it distorted off-center. So like a face of someone else looking over your shoulder. This is true. This is science. Are they ghosts? No. They are tricks of the light and your brain just being a silly bitch. This is called a disassociative identity effect or conscious dissociation. Basically, your brain overindulges in details of your face and then suddenly can't recognize them, making them morph or shift to try and change and make sense of it. Yeah, it's like the visual version of saying the same word over and over again until the word has no more meaning. Fork. Fork. What is fork? Why is this a word? Fork. Fork. Sorry, that's every, stoner on the pl- uh, every stoner listener has to have that conversation with themselves. They're like, have you ever just said the same word over and over again until it has no meaning? Spatula. 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 Yeah. Oh, Um, so there is no solid origin on Bloody Mary. And as far as the actual Bloody Mary game goes, the earliest record of it being played is actually only in the 1970s. Similar games, though, go back a long way through to roughly the 18 to 1900s. 
But these are more classical uses of catapromancy, which is using mirrors to divine the future. Back then, it was a common girl's game to walk backward up the stairs in darkness, holding a candle in one hand and a mirror in the other. It is believed that at the top of the stairs, you would see in the mirror the man you are going to marry, or you would see a skull, the reaper, and that would mean that you would die before getting married. My God, there are so many superstitions around girls trying to divine who they're going to fucking marry. It's almost like it was the defining thing of their entire existence. Yeah, how weird. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, that sucks. Uh, No, we can all sit pretty comfortably knowing that this is totally bogus, but particularly in Victorian times when the paranormal was semi-mainstream and super exciting, coupled with centuries of folksy divination practices, throwback to our Halloween episode, Mm -hmm. and you can understand why this was a fairly common game. Scrying with mirrors or bodies of water have been popular for hundreds of years. There's this interesting thing I learned about, and I'm sure you'll, you'll probably go into something similar touching on this, but I was trying to figure out why people or kids would play instead of doing the divination thing, trying to find your future mate or, or things like that. Uh, so why all of a sudden are we summoning dead people when literally the only purpose is to be scared? There's this interesting thing I learned about uh, in psychology. It's called the Robinson's age, basically the age group of between nine and 12 years old in which we want to flirt with danger. The age where we satisfy our cravings for playing in the dark and having spooky experiences, but still knowing that for all intents and purposes, we are totally safe. Yeah, I might get my eyes clawed out by a screaming blood-covered mirror witch, but I probably won't, and everyone here is going to think I'm such a badass for trying. (laughs) Um, It's a way to face some fear and anxiety without directly confronting whatever this ghost is sort of a metaphor for in your life. There's also a Japanese equivalent to Bloody Mary. Oh, yes, go. Her name is Hanako-san. She sits in the yokai pantheon, which is usually but not always monsters. Yokais are also terrifying ghosts, urban legends. Um, Hanoko-san is a young girl who is said to haunt school bathrooms. Commonly described as being very young, short bobbed black hair, and a red skirt or dress. Some say she was murdered by a stranger or family member in the school restroom. Some say she was playing hide-and-seek in the restroom and was killed during an air raid in World War II. And of course, there is a belief that she killed herself in the bathroom. Either way, to summon her, you must go to the girl's bathroom, preferably on the third floor, and knock on the third stall. And you ask Hanoko-san if she's there, and you wait for a reply. Sometimes a pale or blood-covered hand will reach out from the stall and pull you in. To hell! Stories always shift on that, on how, what, where, why. But her game has been played since the 1950s, and that's documented. I, not gonna lie, way more scared of that game. Yeah, because um, I've heard of this one, and this one has no happy ending for anyone. So yep. basically, if you play the game, something bad is going to happen to you in all the scenarios. Mm-hmm. So why would you play the fucking game? I don't know, but it sounds <laughs> awful. I don't like, like it. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. just there's, every variation of it, it involves something bad happening to the person who knocks on the stall. In fact, there's one where it's like, um, if you knock on the stall and she does respond, you're cursed. Yeah. If she doesn't respond, you're cursed. If she pulls you into the toilet, you you go to hell. Or mm-hmm. she could come out of and kill you. 
So it's like yeah. all of those options are bad. Classic Japanese ghost story. Yeah. <laughs> so just don't knock on the stall and ask for her. Cause... Just don't fucking do it. <laughs> it's terrible. But I'm also think... agoraphobic and public bathrooms scare the shit out of me. So like couple that with like spooky Japanese ghost that does not give a shit and wants you dead anyway. But no, thank you. Well, there's definitely a thing about it being in a bathroom because we feel our most vulnerable in a in a toilet. So the yeah. idea that these games are kind of centered around being in a bathroom as well, because that's usually where the main mirror of the house is anyway. But yeah. also, it's generally where we feel incredibly uneasy doing anything at all because it's just a private place, a very private place. We've got an interesting relationship with our bodily functions i've got to be honest but um yeah it's just a, a generally uncomfortable place to be you don't want to be invoking spirits in there you don't want ghosts watching you take a dump basically no so i do have a couple other games that i, I want to do but um if i don't get to them i have to do this next one yeah do it go okay this one is terrifying and i hate it <laughs> It's called Dry Bones. Step one, close all doors in your house, all windows, cupboards, drawers, everything. Turn off all the lights, TV monitors, anything with light and sound throughout your whole house. Step two, you begin the game at 12.01, not one minute before or after. You go into the bathroom and look in the mirror. Make sure that you are in complete silence. If you hear any noises, that means that he is already here, and you should abort the game and leave the house. Step three, think of something that you want. Make a wish. This is a prize that is on the table if you win. Strike a match and light a candle. Do not blow out the match on your own, but rather let it burn out. If the match lasts 15 seconds, then you may continue. If not, see the abort mission rules above. Leave the house. Step four, lie down on the floor and say the words, I am aware of your presence and I welcome you into my home. Come now. Step five, go to the largest room in your house and wait. It could take minutes or hours. You have to be patient. But when he is ready, you will hear a faint moaning sound. If you hear anything else, then again, abort mission. Duck the fuck out and wait outside like the idiot you are. <laughs> When you hear the moaning, you must run and hide. Stay in your hiding place and pray he doesn't find you. To win the game, you must remain hidden until 3 a.m. During this time, he will be hunting you. Don't make a sound. Don't move. Don't breathe. Step six. If you make it to 3 a.m., the game is over and it's safe to come out. Return to the largest room of your home and say, Thank you for playing, and you. but you must leave now. You are no longer welcome. And you will hear a groan as he leaves. If you win, the prize you wished for will be outside your front door come morning. I hate that game. That's a whole lot of bullshit. <laughs> I know, but it's spooky as shit. But I played it. And when reading it, um, I heard a moaning in my house. <laughs> At 12.30 at night, I was so fucking not okay. Is that why the headphones came to play? Yeah. 
And they're only – Griffin is spending the night over at um, my mom's. So I have Tim and Willow. We're both sleeping in the bed directly behind me. They were the only ones there. And my cats were, were right next to me. And I heard a noise downstairs. Yeah. Not okay. I, I'm just going to say it was most likely, for your own comfort, Melanie, it was most likely an audible hallucination brought on by sleep deprivation and the fact that you were reading about these things and you put yourself in the mindset. It was mindset. only 12.30 at night. It wasn't Does that matter. No, 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 matter. no. I know. I know it wasn't Dry Bones who was fucking moaning downstairs. <laughs> just trying to make you I feel know. better with some logic. But it was still spooky as shit. And yeah, when I... When I was writing the whole, like, uh, uh, you know, come in, I was just like, no, 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 no. I, I even had to say out loud as I was typing it, don't come in. You know, like, <laughs> I, I am not it. going to accidentally invoke a spirit. <laughs> it was so good. I really enjoyed writing it and, and remembering when I used to play it because it's scary, man. It's a scary game. I do recall similar games in which you had to go into a room on your own and lie down on the ground in the dark and people mm. in another room would be invoking something to do something to do you to you mm, and then yeah. you would have to report back at the end so it would last so ever, however long and then you would finish the game and you know the, the group would finish their sort of thing in one room and then they'd go and get you and then you they'd be like so did you feel anything did you hear anything did did you smell anything and you had to be like yeah so I like smelt burning and something touched my hair and they'd be like oh my god oh my god oh my god we told yeah. the demon to burn you alive and um and pull your hair I can't believe it actually did it yeah yeah that's sort of <laughs> similar yeah Oh, dumb kids being dumb. Oh, well, I know adults that do that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, my sister wanted me to bring up spirits, which is basically like the Ouija board, but using cards. And I think I'm going to have to do a mini-sode on it because she's actually got a scary story um, involving it, related to it. But I want to do it proper justice. So I'll probably do a mini-sode or like a, a YouTube video or something. Or you could just story. keep telling us more and I can just not do my bit this time because my bit's boring. No, I want to hear your bit. Okay. Well, all I did was I just found these articles and I thought that they were interesting and I thought I'd share them with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've abbreviated them in the sense that I don't have like all of the researchers' names and things like that because if you're not actually reading it, it's a bit difficult to follow. And then it'll just sound like I'm reading an article at you. Yeah. So it's a, but the first one I found was from actually from 1992 by a guy called Roy Rivenberg. When 11-year-old Beth Huber of Orange finds a rubber band on the sidewalk, she puts it on her wrist and makes five wishes before throwing it back on the ground. Across town, Gary Martinez bounces a, rub a toothpaste cap against the sink on the night before exams. If the cap lands on the counter, the 13-year-old considers it a good omen. One of his classmates, Heather Estrada, also 13, holds her breath whenever she passes a graveyard. She mm. regards this as protection against bad luck. I remember that one. I remember that one. In the world of childhood superstitions, even stepping on a crack can break a mother's back. Listening to the wrong Beatles record can kill people. And sitting in a certain chair by the TV can influence the outcome of a game on the TV. 
Odd as such beliefs might sound, they play an important role in growing up. Superstitions reflect a child's thought processes, fears, and personality. Some appear generation after generation, others come out of nowhere. A few signal, a few signal psychological disorders. Fueling it is a phenomenon called magical thinking. Young children, unable to distinguish fantasy from reality, commonly believe that inanimate objects, like stuffed animals, have feelings, and that thoughts have magical powers over events. It's a perfect environment for superstitions. As children get older, however, the nature of superstitions shifts. The intellectual belief in magic gives way to a more emotional belief, and superstitions evoke into a more sophisticated, less embarrassing version of teddy bears and security blankets. Mm-hmm. The rituals offer a feeling of safety and protection as children learn to cope with such uncertainties as, as they start, learn to cope with uncertainties. Yeah, and to sort of like feel like they have some, some sort of control. Exactly. Among the superstitions surrounding romance, for example, when crossing railroad tracks in a car or a bus, lift your feet and put your hand on the ceiling or you'll lose your boyfriend. Yep, that's we all used to do that. I didn't do it for boyfriends. I just did it for for luck in general because witches were supposed to cross uh, iron. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it was about love in my sense either i think it was literally something to do with crossing the irons but yeah mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, but yeah apparently some people think that it has to do with losing your boyfriend or girlfriend um, and also uh, around the superstition surrounding quizzes and exams you could try rubbing a troll's hair or um... <laughs> oh my god lucky troll dolls <laughs> lucky troll dolls right other class uh, um sorry uh Or you could put pennies in your shoes Mm -hmm. or write with your lucky pen. Sometimes we encourage such superstitions. If a child is fearful of leaving his house, for instance, we have him find magical objects to help. Pebble or particular jacket. Yep. Such practices get discarded after a child gains confidence or a mastery over a particular situation, in theory. But there's always that flicker of doubt. Superstitions also serve as social rituals, such as games. When two people say the same thing at once, for example, one is supposed to shout jinx. We've talked about this earlier. But the bad luck that supposedly befalls the loser is incidental to the competition itself. Mm-hmm. So it's more about the game. Yeah. Uh, other superstitions seem part of some unwritten social code like if you should somehow apparently this one I've never heard of it if you should accidentally spit on yourself you absolutely positively must not wipe it off apparently you just can't it's bad luck never heard (laughs) that one but many such beliefs passed through generations I disagree with the statement that they say pass through generations. I think it's more complex than that, but I won't go into that. I don't think it's a generational thing so much so as it is. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's, they, they haven't been These aren't superstitions or stories that have been handed down by parents. This, no. This is something that just sort of occurs at a certain age, which is yes. just weird. Yeah, I think it has like a very complex process of 
uh, movement through our social structures to get to children. I think it's more than just generation to generation. I don't think this is... But the next article that I go into kind of goes into it a little bit more. Okay. But I definitely don't agree with this person's sentiment that they put passed through generations. But I am keeping in mind he read this in he wrote this in like 1993. Did I say or something like 1992? Yeah. It's quite an old article. So many such beliefs pass through generations really bit are almost institutionalized in childhood. The rest are personal inventions, usually known only to their creators. So you'll have your own superstitious practices as well as the ones that you've learned. Uh, like this one, a San Diego County man wouldn't play the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper album for years as a boy because he thought it would cause someone he knew to die. Why? He was listening to the record when his mother informed him that a family friend had been killed in a car crash. So he had an association between the death of a family friend and listening to Sgt. Pepper. So that's yeah. what's sad. I won't dye any of my friend's hair because three times I've dyed friends, my friend's hair and all three times they ended up being uh, really awful, shitty people who uh, uh, made my life hell. Wow. So I, I refuse to dye people's hair, except for my own. Yeah, so that is your own personal superstition. Yeah. Well done. I think that I have personal ones that I can't recall uh, until I do them. And then and when I do it, I realize that I've done it, and I sort of try to laugh it off. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, silly, illogical, Danielle. <laughs> Um, magic formulas are another private superstition. So uh, formulas are a, a little bit more um, more my wheelhouse, I think, if you listen to this example. So one girl made up a rule that she had to eat her Cheerios two at a time. And if she finished the bowl with a solo Cheerio, it meant bad luck. The only oh. escape was to add more Cheerios, a random number, and try again until she could eat them two by two. Those are the kind of shit, that's the kind of shit that I would do. <laughs> that's That seems a little bit more like in the OCD realm than uh, than anything else, but it fucking feels like superstition, absolutely. Yes, yes. It does go on to talk about how these behaviours can actually be signals for such disorders as obsessive compulsive disorder, but we're going to keep it light for now. <laughs> <laughs> Other formulas have more specific meaning. For example, a 14-year-old invented the superstition that if he heard two particular songs back-to-back on the radio, he would finally get a girlfriend. The oh. underlying purpose, possibly, was to counter teenage anxiety about attracting the opposite sex. Because perhaps he didn't feel like he had the ability to control his fate, so he made up some kind of formula to believe in. Which yeah. totally makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. If I could just get this thing, then she would love me. Seemingly, kids who are timid, unsure of themselves, and maybe have low self-esteem tend to put more credence into this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. In contrast, confident youngsters often disregard or even flaunt the rules. Take the perennial step on a crack, break your mother's back. A self-assured child will laugh off the belief, ignore it, or stomp his foot on a crack for all to see and proclaim, see, nothing happens. And we know that people would do that with Bloody Mary. They'd be so confident in themselves. They'd go play Bloody Mary. Nothing would happen. They would come on and be like, see, there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Fun fact. Did you sure. know I read I read one article that said that um, step on a crack, break your mother's back may have racist uh, origins. No way. Tell me more. Um, I believe some some person I, I didn't read much because I got kind of on a, a my spooky kick, 
Um, but I read at least two people saying that in the early 1900s, uh, it used to be step on a crack and your mother will be black or step on a crack and your uh, sister will be black. Um, basically, stepping on a crack cursed you to have a black person in your family. Oh, dear. I don't yeah. like that. No, it's terrible. So suddenly I was just like, oh, well, this game is no longer fun. Mm. Lame. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's generally true that insecure people are more superstitious, mystical behavior turns up across all sorts of personality types, especially in situations that are inherently uncertain. One such area? Sports superstition is mutually like it's just like it's part of the course isn't it literally yeah. uh former Oakland Raiders coach John Madden for example was reported to have refused to let his team leave the locker room until running back Mark Van Agen had belched um other professional methods for summoning luck have included wearing teeth like lucky t-shirts on the uniforms not washing socks we all know that one eating chicken every day loads it was actually a sports sports um, superstition to not wear matching socks. Yes. And I don't give a shit about sports, but I remember hearing that, and I have not worn matching socks for 15 years. Yeah, I know. Because of that. Well, is that where that came from? Yes. I've just always known you to not wear pairs, that you've always wore odd socks. Yeah, I, I, I just heard somewhere some someone said it was uh, good luck to wear mismatching socks. And so as soon as I heard that, I'm like, hey, I can use all the good luck I'll, I can get. And uh, my socks are, you know, my my socks rarely match anyway. So I'm just going to stick to this and I'm going to make it like a thing. And then if there's ever a chance when I have to wear matching socks, it usually ends up being a pretty shitty day. So I stick to it. Wow. No, uh, yeah, genuinely. That's the origin of Melanie's mismatched socks. Nice one. Yeah. <laughs> and for us, I just thought it was your your thing you did. <laughs> You forget that lots of people have reasons behind the things that they do. You just kind of take some things for granted, don't you? Yeah. Well, we that's a perfect example of the, the sentence that I was about to say next, which is that kids pick, pick, kids pick up on weird rituals and then manufacture their own. So you have heard an adult say that they do this thing for luck, so you're going to em- emulate that as a child. So in sports, for example, uh, this eighth grader who's a soccer player ties pretzels in his shoelaces for looks for luck. Uh, a little league team all ceremonially roll down their socks and then up their sleeves just before the game starts. And these are all things that they picked up from the adults around them. Failure to follow the prescribed practice can reinforce the superstition by creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. So if mom washes the lucky jersey in the middle of a youngster's winning streak, the kid might subconsciously make himself fuck up, basically. Mm-hmm. As puzzling and exas- and as as puzzling and exasperating as these beliefs might seem to parents, children's superstitions rarely are cause for worry. However, things can cross the line when the pattern of behavior begins to interfere with normal everyday activities so this is the this is the sort of caveat some children develop painstaking rituals such as having to touch every object in a room and having to start over again if certain thoughts enter their mind etc etc 
even seemingly innocent superstitions can get out of hand. For example, a ritual of having to touch every third picket in a fence is normal. It's normal unless it starts to making the child late for school, et cetera, et cetera. Overboard superstitions should be reported to a pediatrician or family doctor for advice. Melanie, please do tell. I got another one. Go for it. <laughs> when I uh, used to walk, uh, have to walk to school, um, basically from third grade till uh, I got out of high school, I had to walk to school. And I very specifically had to take two steps per square of concrete. And if those for are the, any reason... The, those are the formula ones that yeah. I say I relate to the formula ones, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and if I fucked it up, then I had to go back a square and then start again. And it would totally slow me down. But if I kept to it and found a rhythm, I got to school really early. So, <laughs> but it was really yeah. fucking important. And that was... That was clearly, even when I was in it, I recognized it as not so much a superstition, but as an OCD thing. It just, it had to happen this way or else I couldn't focus or function. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was, that was crazy important to me. Yeah, it's a fine line between the two. And usually they sort of other underlying mental illness manifests in those kinds of rituals and mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need to continue those rituals like someone with obsessive compulsive disorder would need to continue them but it is a it is kind of like a red flag like uh there's something going on in this person's mind that isn't processing totally healthily so they're creating all of these patterns and formulas and and rituals if you will in order to sort of make sense of and control the world around them but actually there's some underlying issue going on here so yeah. uh, for those of you who have children and you can see that they're picking up on well they're, they're, they have rituals like that just take a step back have a little bit of like common sense or whatever before you really freak out is it affecting yeah. the kid's life so this is kind of where this article kind of goes into which is sort of um uh, those lucky shirts, magical pretzels, counting churros, play along. Yeah. Play along. Um, of course, they might end up playing for a very long time. But if you play along with them, the kid won't see it as something that is wrong and eventually should grow out of it. Essentially. Absolutely. Childhood superstitions, it seems, aren't only for kids. So Psychology Today, which is where this article was uh, from found that a lot of lucky pens when it looked into study aids used by college students a pro baseball's maxim about not walking on foul lines bears suspicious resemblance to step on a crack and novelist philip goldberg too hasn't exactly abandoned his boyhood rituals at dodger games he still wears a lucky cap and his quote here i don't necessarily believe in it to the degree i did as a kid he's says he still doesn't want to take any chances mm -hmm. and the article ends with his quote as well which is entirely entirely accurate the old saying is that there are no atheists in foxholes well there aren't many in the bleachers either and that's totally nice. true yeah so that was sort of like the the longer of the two articles i i found one that kind of went a little bit deeper into the why so this skirted over the top of it, I felt, quite superficially in terms of 
giving us a little bit of an idea of why children so so that children do have superstitious practices and that they do form these rituals and things like that but it doesn't kind of give you the the sort of meaty bit as to why so I carried on looking and I found this article by Lauren Vinapel on fatherly.com um um, so this one's literally called why children believe crazy stuff so and this kind of just adds a little bit of another dimension to our understanding of superstitious behavior okay so again abbreviated (laughs) kids don't avoid sidewalk cracks out of concern for their parents back health they do it because they are hardwired for superstition children are highly suggestible and highly imaginative which can lead to belief in causal relationships that don't make a whole lot of sense superstition is about both discovery through trial and error And it's also about the weirdness of human culture. We are born with almost an innate drive to find relationships between things. Mm -hmm. That drive gets kind of over-energized and we perceive relations between things when they don't really exist. Without this ingrained inclination towards superstition, it is doubtful that such beliefs would thrive and neither would science. But nature still doesn't provide an adequate explanation of why kids aren't crossing black cats paths on top of this pre-existing bias kids learn superstitions through a complicated combination of cultural traditions language and social factors it's not nature versus nurture it's both mm-hmm. kids aren't taught superstitions in a typical sense no one is sitting them down and saying today we're going to learn about luck and the consequences of walking under ladders so i brought these visual aids (laughs) however by the time kids reach age five or six years old they've not only heard about luck but they also have an understanding of how it works they're probably getting a lot of it from books but also from just culture in general really superstitions and magical thinking are routinely deployed by authors to create imaginative kid-friendly worlds so we think about television and media as well The thing about the ideas introduced by Kiddie Lit is that they're sticky and contagious. In the 1959 book, The Lore and Language of School Children, anthropologist author Iona and Peter Opie famously documented kids sharing superstitions for fun. It is a childish equivalent to talking about politics or work, a negotiation of how the world should and does work. Still, mm-hmm. understanding kids' superstitions is more complicating than grasping a cocktail party dynamic. When superstitions border on supernatural belief, everything gets a little murkier. We tend to endorse positive supernatural beings and not negative ones. So very few parents try to encourage belief in ghosts. Yet we will encourage kids to blow out birthday candles, a yeah. cultural tradition that is so common it's easy to forget it is superstitious behavior. Yeah. So there is more to the article, but I, I'm going to stop right there and just sort of summarize it by saying the moral of the story is that superstitious beliefs and practices are a normal part of human development. It is reinforced by our culture and taught to us by our social interactions Um, and superstitious belief is essential to be able to learn about cause and effect the consequences of our actions that are more ethereal and abstract than i push this thing this thing moves so the effect that our actions have on other 
people and the effect that actions have on us. It's a lot more abstract and a difficult concept to understand than, you know, so superstitious practices really help children to define and to understand and to experiment with causality. Yeah. So as we get older, we lose a little bit of this. We understand causality. We understand the consequences of certain things. We understand why things occur. So we lose the magic a bit. Mm-hmm. But that curiosity and that ability, that sort of desire to test the cause and effect of our world is what keeps science going yeah. in general. That sort of yeah. idea that, you know, like if I poke this, what will happen? What will happen, exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so that's what I got. I just kind of wanted to uh go into why we sort of hold certain superstitions as children i didn't quite get exactly what i was looking for but i think i i I think i got some kind of interesting aside or whatever oh that was super fun i love that (laughs) (laughs) and it's funny because the whole time i was reading it you guys can't see this but melanie's nodding so she's either nodding because she personally understands it from a, from being a child herself oh, and yeah. doing this or she's nodding because she's viewing it and observing it in her own children uh, both but yeah. I, mean, I was very very like I said I was a very paranoid child I I had a lot of like I mentioned before I got a lot of little mental disorders going on and particularly when I was a kid it was really evident in um obsessive behavior and, uh, uh, you know, it was like an obsessive anxiety uh, mm. sort of disorder that I was I was dealing with at a, at a much younger age. Um, so superstitions were really, really important to me. Uh, that's, that's why even today, even though I know I'm perfectly fine, if I open an umbrella in the house, I'm fucking nervous. Like, I, I'm hebeed out. I don't like it at all. Um, but... Yeah, no, that was that was all super fun because I was just sort of reliving it. And what's really interesting to me, and I wish that I I had thought to look it up, although I'm sure it's almost uh, impossible to to put a finger on. My son came to me last year asking me about Bloody Mary, and so he was in first grade, and some other kid had mentioned it to him. The kid, all the kids were talking about it, and I'm like, where? Are you guys hearing this from? Mm. This is this is like white suburban normal families. I know these parents aren't telling their kids about Bloody Mary. And as much as I'm like a big horror buff weirdo, I hadn't mentioned Bloody Mary to my son because I remember how much it scared me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know my son's kind of a chicken. So like, yeah. I just well, wasn't even yeah, going to go. You want to make your home into a safe space for your child. You don't want to be telling your kid that, oh, by the way, you can go to the bathroom and invoke a demon that wants to rip your eyes out. Yeah. Like, and you then you'll hate wanna... the bathroom for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. No, not going to no. happen. That's why I was so... like, it's so, it's so much more complex how these children hear about these things. It is, it's almost magical in itself. Yeah, it's like it just it just forms in the minds of children uh, somewhere between the ages of like seven and twelve. <laughs> just so bizarre, and I'd, I'd want to know more because it does. It feels like it just pops out of the fucking air. Yeah. 
I would um, say in this day and age that it had something to do with the internet, but this has been happening pre-internet. This has been yeah. happening for so long, and you're like, how did I? I don't remember how I heard about these games. Yeah, no, and and like I said, when I first played Bloody Mary, I was like seven, seven or eight years old, and some other kid told me, and some other kid told that kid. So maybe there's just like this perpetual little, little eight-year-old ghost that's going around from school to school whispering it into the ears of children because there I don't think that those are adults telling these kids to spread the word to other kids you know what I mean like it's just I I think the older siblings probably have something to do with it shit you're right shit that explains it that explains a lot of it but there is a lot there's a lot of um you know it's just this game of telephone that's going on for yeah. It's just like this game of telephone that's been going on for like a hundred years. Yes. It is it is very odd because how how it's carried on is a little bit of a mystery. I'm sure that somebody's got to have done some kind of study, but I haven't found it. Um but yeah, I imagine older siblings have something to do with it. I imagine that probably some children's literature has these games mentioned in them. Uh, and I think that perhaps there might be age-inappropriate cartoons. So just because something's a cartoon doesn't mean that all children of all ages should be watching it. Parents oh, yeah. that yeah. yeah, so parents that don't have the sort of wherewithal time or energy to check a program before they let their kids watch them. So it might be a little bit age-inappropriate. And they might have seen something else. But why it's always the same things over and over and over again, I don't know. And, you know, no, it's you not my little pony telling people about Bloody Mary. No, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the, the sibling thing. Because that's such an uh, that's an older sibling thing to do is scare oh, the shit out of your younger sibling. It's what I did to my sister. I've got, you know, the story that she wanted me to tell you about um, uh, the game Spirits. It ends up with me fucking with her because that's just what I did as an older sister. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I think I probably tried that on Josh, but he's probably just turned to me and gone, that's bullshit, and you know oh, it. I scared the shit out of Mikey so many times. <laughs> so many times. I love her. I love you so much, Mikey, and I'm super sorry about it. Even my mom would get in on it and like help me oh, traumatize God. her. It was great. <laughs> No, um, yeah, well, I definitely, I, I, I think the older sibling thing is definitely probably up there in the, the but, you know, still, how has it lasted 100 years? Because there is always going to be siblings in this age range um, with friends in that age range. And it's just always like going down by a year. Like, it's just this steady, like, escalator of of kids passing on this story. And it never really ends because there's never been a decade that didn't produce children um yeah true yeah Ooh, neat i think i think you solved it <laughs> i'm yes. i'm 100 sure it's, it's older siblings that's doing this I we're can, such assholes i love it i know i can retire i promise you that i didn't read that anywhere <laughs> no 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 it was perfect it was very organic brilliant sweet so we're running on uh, pretty deep in here, so I don't. I don't think I'll. I'll do any more stories. Uh, but I love everything you said. So, yes. Yay. Okay, yeah, cool. And I'm sorry, Mikey, I didn't do your spirits thing. I'll do a YouTube video next time I'm at work an hour early, which will happen, I'm sure, at some point this week. She says yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you paused as if she was going to say something, and I was like, she's not here. <laughs> so that was fun. And if you have any cool anecdotal stories, give me give me your best uh, Bloody Mary story or your spirit story. Or um, there's this other game called Corners, which is totally fucked up and awful and terrifying. There are so many great spooky kids stories, and I'd love to hear your experiences. We both would. So hit us up on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. What are we? Easy enough to find. Also, if you have any topics you want us to throw into our random topic picker, uh, hit us up on our email, zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. Also, 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 um, as aforementioned, please leave us a review. If you leave us a review and you don't live in the USA or the UK, please uh, make a screenshot. Send it to us. We'll enter you into our drawing. We'd love to. Uh, we want to hear what you say, even if you're talking shit. We want to hear what you got to say. Yes, please. All right, Danielle, give us our next random topic. Okay, so do you want me to sing or just pick it? Both. Okay, right. I haven't got a tune to do today, so I'm give just going to have to go to off bluesy one. Or slow bluesy one. Um, okay. Random topic picker. Pick a topic. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dwelling on that. <laughs> Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Florida man. Oh shit. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah. Damn. I'm sorry, Florida. Sorry in advance. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should just say nothing. So if people don't know what we mean by Florida man, they're going to be like, what? what? And we can define it next week. But yeah. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Are we going to try right. to out-Florida man each other? <laughs> you think that one's bad. You just wait. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, so literally just going to collect a load of Florida man stories. Yeah, because there's nothing really to research on it. No, nope. well, except some, for that but... it would be counting towards the Darwin Awards thing, but yeah, in rare cases. But, I mean... Let's do it. Let's have a Florida man battle. Fucking do it. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. This is so good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So my quote for the week is from one of my favorite books, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. I believe that life is a game, that life is a cruel joke, and that life is what happens when you're alive and that you might as well lay back and enjoy it. Yes. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> that's all we got today yep. <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs> <laughs> end of podcast Melanie don't panic ah!